Welcome to Click, Treat, Repeat. This is a horse-focused podcast discussing positive reinforcement training, equine management and welfare, and other horse-related topics. So let's get started. Yeah, definitely. I don't really know how to segue into this, but I did want to talk about, too, the myth that positive reinforcement can't be used for behavior modification kind of going back to it's only used for tricks, but looking deeper into it with the more emotional and behavioral side of things. And I saw your tweet where you were talking about how you think that all behavior modification needs to include positive reinforcement as at least, you know, part of it. And I think that that is a really good point. So yeah, I think this is a really good thing to bring up. And yeah, I've also kind of been thinking about this after seeing your tweet. It's a very strong tweet, but that's okay. (laughs) But I think it's true because if we're looking at a horse's behavior or even dogs, I see it with dogs too, but if we're looking at an animal's behavior and we're thinking about what the function of it is and it ends up being something emotional, there's no way that punishing that would help them overcome their fear or be less stressed about something. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it can, punishment could suppress the behavior or you know, show, I guess, a behavioral change, but it's never going to change that kind of underlying emotional feeling that, you know, this is, this is a negative experience and it's linked to some anxiety or fear, things like that. I mean, that's not, punishment is only going to add to that. You know, you may change the behavior, but overall there's still going to be that underlying fear or anxiety or whatever kind of negative emotion is there. And if that stays there, then, you know, chances are it's, it's going to come back up at some point. I have a couple examples of that in my work life outside of my business, but I don't want to like drag people under the mud. So I'm not going to say who, but at one of my old jobs and also at a clinic hosted by my new job recently, someone said that behavior modification can't work with positive reinforcement because they're only thinking about the food and they're not thinking about what they're feeling and learning how to kind of use emotional regulation and kind of work themselves out of that on their own. So that's something, (laughs) that's something I have some thoughts on. And I just don't know where those ideas really come from. Because if you think about like with people, sometimes it works, but the type of therapy where you're just exposed to the things until you kind of work through it sometimes works, but doesn't work for everyone. And with horses and dogs, they don't have the same uh, frontal lobe as we do. So it's not, they can't reason, they can't make choices based on things like that. Like it's just, it's really entirely different than animals. So that's something worth talking about. Yeah, that makes sense. And I completely agree. I think that to me, that perspective, I mean, just doesn't really make a lot of sense because I mean, then you could kind of flip it and say, well, when you're using punishment or negative reinforcement, they're not thinking about their emotional state either. If anything, they're just thinking less about their emotional state because they're very focused on the pressure or punishment or whatever like that. So I think, you know, it's just you can kind of flip that the other way as well. And I think, you know, there could be an argument to be made about, you know, internal versus like external or intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation. Just if, you know, you're using a lot of extrinsic motivation in a way that's not allowing for autonomy for the learner, then yeah, you're kind of, they are probably pretty focused on whatever the reinforcer or punisher is and less focused on what is actually happening. But I think that when you do it in a way that you're really allowing for autonomy, like allowing the horse to walk away, having other 
food sources available, things like that, so that they're not being forced to engage in whatever it is you're doing. I would not say that, you know, they're, they're just thinking about the food, because if all they wanted was the food, they could go and eat the food. Obviously, there's, you know, contra freeloading, where even when there's a free source of food available, a lot of the time, the animal will still choose to do a training or enrichment type of task to get the food. Um, so I think that that's kind of, yeah, I, I would like to hear a bit more about what that person who said that was kind of basing that on, whether there's some science or something like that, because I don't have a great understanding of like the, the particular, I guess, science in this area. I mean, I have a general understanding of, you know, like behavior modification and positive reinforcement and, you know, learning theory, et cetera. But I would be very interested to know if there was some sort of science that they were kind of basing their opinion on there or if they were just sort of saying something that sounded good to them. I think a little bit of both science and just something that sounded like it fit their training. <laughs> but the one that had the clinic at my work was talking about the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous systems and saying that horses can't learn in the fight or flight, which is true. But then she was putting them in that mode and then wanting them to come back down to try to regulate their emotions themselves, I guess, was what she was trying to say. The other person, I think, was kind of just using that as an excuse to not help their dog with their behaviors. So I think that's a little different, but <laughs> those are the reasons I've seen people say that. Yeah, that's really interesting. Cause I mean, I think we understand with people very well that it's not that we want to constantly be putting people into like basically fight or flight or into like trauma basically to get them to develop resilience. Really it's like the different factors that are like helping a person develop and encouraging them like you know having like warm supportive authoritative parenting and access to support in the community and things like that that are what help people build resilience it's not that the the person who has been exposed to the most difficult situations is the most resilient and obviously people and horses are different but it doesn't make a lot of sense to me that that people would say oh i have to expose my horse to this terrible, you know, scary thing to get them to calm down. And then when they are able to basically calm themselves, then that will help them learn resilience. I mean, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I guess, you know, there's, there's something to be said for that. I guess it, it can be effective to like desensitize horses through flooding, but it's not like when you can do it in a more ethical way, that is also effective. Why would you not do that? And I mean, I think we see a lot of very, very deeply traumatized horses in the industry that have dealt with a lot of that type of training. And it's clearly not having a positive impact on those horses and their behavior and their emotional state. And then also for Clicker Expo, Shauna Karish did a presentation on basically like positive reinforcement to help your horse kind of self-soothe and relax and be in a calmer emotional state. And I unfortunately don't remember any of the specifics. I have notes on it in my notebook, but I haven't been able to flip to the right page, so I can't find them. But that was a really interesting presentation. And obviously, Shauna Karish is a very accomplished professional who has a very good understanding of how to use these things and how to use them to help the horse. So I think, you know, seeing that she is teaching that is really encouraging that positive reinforcement is a good 
way to help horses to self-soothe and to relax in potentially stressful situations. And then there's also a podcast episode from Shauna Karish on this, which I have not listened to. So I'm not going to talk about the content, but um, it's from Equine Clicker 101, lesson number 49, take your horse from too eager or frustrated to relaxed. So um, kind of talking about I'm assuming she's talking about how to help a horse basically relax using positive reinforcement. So I think that that can be a good resource as well, kind of on this topic. Yeah, Shauna's the best. So that's a good resource for sure. I know this person too was talking about the risk of there being conflict with food if they're afraid of something, which that's a valid concern. But that's why, like you said earlier, we would have an alternative food source. So I actually have an example from today. I was working with one of the horses at work and there was a tarp left in the arena. And for some reason he was scared of it today. I'm not really sure why, but instead of getting after him for being afraid, I just rewarded him for getting as close to it as he felt comfortable. And then eventually he was eating treats right off of the tarp. So like, it's really not that complicated to apply classical conditioning or operant conditioning to something like that. And also he had hay in a different spot in the arena. So if you really didn't want to interact with it, he could have just walked away to go eat that hay and not have to look at the tarp at all. Yeah, that's a really good example. And I think, you know, positive reinforcement really allows them to have that choice to even show us that they are scared or that something isn't feeling good to them in the training. And that gives them, you know, a chance to communicate what their emotional state even is to us. I think a lot of the time in traditional training, the horses either don't feel comfortable communicating that or they physically can't communicate that because of how they're being forced to move in a certain way, or even the trainers just don't know how to, I guess, interpret that the horses are communicating that. So I think it's really cool with positive reinforcement. Typically, they have an option to walk away. I mean, it's possible that you could do positive reinforcement in a way where they don't have an option to walk away. But you know, it should be done in a way where they have an option to walk away. And I think it's just a lot harder to do that with traditional training, because if it's not positively reinforcing to them, why would they not walk away, I guess. So I think, you know, even good negative reinforcement training, a lot of the time the horse might choose to walk away. Obviously, we've talked about in negative reinforcement, the biggest release is when you leave. So yeah, I think that that's kind of an element of it. And I had a similar situation recently with Charlie with the mat, I recently introduced him to the mat, and he was very scared of it. And I was very surprised by that, because my other horses back in North Carolina that I had been working with, they had you know, worked with positive reinforcement enough that they had started to learn like, oh, new things are fun. And, you know, the environment is an opportunity for reinforcement. And then when Charlie saw the mat, he was very scared. And, you know, maybe somebody wouldn't, if he wasn't at liberty and didn't have other food sources available, like this situation, he had grass and, you know, things like that, he might not have expressed it or been able to express that he was scared of it, or a trainer might have just overlooked that he was afraid of it, because he didn't like, you know, spook and run away or show a super clear, like flight response or anything. But he did snort a little bit, didn't want to approach it, walked away and didn't want to engage. So to me, that's a sign. Oh, yeah, he's afraid of the mat. And I was like, you know, trying to lure him to come near the mat, and he was not interested. So when I'm holding out food, And he's turning around and saying, no, that's a clear sign to me that something's wrong. So I think, yeah, it's very, I think, easier for horses to express their their emotional needs and what they're feeling if we kind of set it up in a way that allows them to do that. 
Another thing too that that made me think about was how the use of positive reinforcement can actually boost a horse's confidence. So instead of suppressing their behaviors, like we said, and kind of just making them deal with those emotions with clicker training, we're exposing them to things and making their environment a good place. Like you said, making it an opportunity for reinforcement. So they're learning that being with us and being in the places we take them is a good thing. They're going to get good things out of it. They're going to be rewarded for trying and they won't get punished if they leave or do something wrong. Yeah, for sure. I think all of those things are so important. And, you know, that just shows how it can be so powerful in um, like behavior modification or just teaching in general. It can allow you to teach anything in a way where they feel safe or have the ability to express that something is not right or, you know, to basically tell you when you need to change something you're doing. So yeah, I think that that honestly is a good place to end. I mean, we've covered really clearly, I think, how it can be useful for a variety of situations and how it should not be seen as just for tricks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Click, Treat, Repeat. Feel free to check us out on Instagram at Click, Treat, Repeat Pod. You can find Jen at Genuine Equine and myself at bonafide.bt. We upload new episodes every Monday and hope to see you then. Happy training!